Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Macedonia United Methodist Church. My name is Kevin Johnson. I serve as pastor here. It's a joy to welcome you, whether you're worshiping with us in person or worshiping with us online. It's a joy to have you in worship with us today. If you're a guest among us, I invite you to text hello to 919-887-6740. You'll see that there uh, in your bulletin and also in the description on YouTube and Facebook. And we invite you to do that and to get in touch with us as a church community. I invite you to stand as you are able and join me in the call to worship. In his ministry on earth, Jesus said some hard truths. In his ministry on earth, Jesus did the miraculous. In his ministry on earth, Jesus made people question their assumptions. Come, let us worship our Lord Jesus together. Our opening hymn is, O God, our help in ages past. Opening prayer is on the second page of your bulletin. I invite you to pray with me together. New every morning is your love, great God of light. And all day long you are working for good in the world. Stir up in us desire to serve you, to live peacefully with our neighbors and all your creation, and to devote each day to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated as we sing together.
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 30 is our New Testament lesson today. I want you to hear these words. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are being destroyed. But it is the power of God for those of us who are being saved. It is written in scripture, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will reject the intelligence of the intelligent. Where are the wise? Where are the legal experts? Where are today's debaters? Hasn't God made the wisdom of the world foolish? In God's wisdom, he determined that the world wouldn't come to know him through its wisdom. Instead, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of preaching. Jews ask for signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, which is a scandal to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. This is because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Look at your situation when you were called, brothers and sisters. By ordinary human standards, not many were wise, not many were powerful, not many were from the upper class. But God chose what the world considers foolish to shame the wise. God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. And God chose what the world considers low class and low life, what is considered to be nothing, to reduce what is considered to be something to nothing. So no human being can brag in God's presence. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. He became wisdom from God for us. This means that he made us righteous and holy, and he delivered us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. This morning as we prepare to receive God's word together. Um, I'm so grateful that Reverend Mary Margaret Eckhart uh, is here and, and is here among us to preach. Many of you know Mary Margaret uh, as uh, a wonderful and devoted servant as part of our church family, and Mary Margaret is also a retired elder uh, in the United Methodist Church, and for that I'm grateful uh, that she joins us to bring the word today. I invite you to stand as you are able and sing with us all who are thirsty.
Pastor Kevin mentioned, I've been worshiping with you all for two years now. I came the summer of 21. It was the end of COVID, and even though we were still wearing masks, we got to be together, and it was a wonderful thing. And I have appreciated being here. I think of this as my home church. I, I appreciate Kevin's sermons, all the music, and the friendships that I've made, and I hope to continue to make among you and all the good work that we can do together as the Church of Jesus Christ to be his hands and feet in the world. I uh, appreciate the chance to get to preach this morning because these words from Jesus are, when you take them literally, challenging for me in a special way. But let me read the scripture from uh, the end of the 11th chapter of Matthew. I'm going to read not the whole thing, but the first verses 16 through 18. But to what shall I compare this genu generation? It is like children sitting in a marketplace calling to their playmates. We piped to you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking and they said, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they said, behold, a drunkard and a glutton a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Now I want to skip to the end of this chapter because this is the passage that challenged me, especially this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Pray with me, please. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
this last few couple of verses are challenging to me out of my own experience. And that experience was my ordination back in 1978 in the Detroit Annual Conference. There were a thousand uh, delegates to Annual Conference and then at that ordination service, family and friends were there. And when, when a thousand voices sing, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord, and they sing it with all their heart, it just makes the hairs on your neck stand up. And those of us who were to be ordained elder were seated in the front, and one at a time we would go up on the stage, get to take our own Bible with us, this, this Bible, um, we would kneel and about a dozen pastors and the bishop would lay hands on our head and our shoulders and the bishop would say, take thou authority as an elder in the church to preach the word of God and to administer the holy sacraments, amen. And then you stand up and your sponsoring pastors put this stole around your neck. It's called, it represents, the stole represents the yoke of Christ. And they kind of helped you get reoriented and turn around and, and meet the congregation. And I, this is what I remember. I remember how heavy those hands were on my head and my shoulders. It was like I had to kind of stiffen up or I, I'd have been mashed down. And as I stood up, I'm thinking, oh, geez, I thought this would be one of those, like, yay moments. I've made it. I worked so hard in seminary and through all the hoops that you go through in the United Methodist Church to, to be confirmed as an elder. And yet what I felt was really quite humbling. I felt this was just huge, a huge responsibility. It was heavy. And that's why I gravitate to this portion of Matthew 11, what did Jesus mean when he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? The challenge of being the church, the church with a capital C, of being the hands and feet of Christ to save and serve the world was for me, especially at that moment, just extremely heavy. But I wanna add that now after after being a pastor for that 32 years and being retired for 10 or so, I realized that the, the work of the church only felt heavy when I tried to do it all by myself. And the people in those four churches that I served all along the way reminded me that we were in the service of Christ and Christ's love together. We were a team. The pastor might be the only one wearing this stole, but we were all yoked together, and Jesus was yoked with us. Now, when those first um, followers of Jesus heard these words, they were imagining, I'm sure, the yoke that was used on oxen, the, the shaped wooden beam that, that put two oxen together, that harnessed them together to pull a plow through the fields or to, to pull heavy burdens and in, in Frontier America, and maybe you've seen these in, in antique stores, yokes were used um, to harness cattle or mules to pull the covered wagons. 
But in Jesus' day, those who heard him might also be thinking of of the yoke of discipleship that a rabbi used. And there were lots of rabbis in those days, and they would call their disciples to say, they would go up to a, a person who's been following them or listening to them and say, follow me. And that person would be invited to take up the yoke of discipleship to that particular rabbi so that they might learn from them and someday be a rabbi themselves. Those are the two positive meanings of yoke. But there was also the, the sense that the people in, in those days listening to Jesus would have called Roman domination the yoke of oppression or the yoke of slavery. And Jesus might have also been thinking of the yoke of the Pharisees who put uh, undue harsh burdens on the people that, that they were supposed to serve in terms of interpreting the law of God. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, Beware the Pharisees, for they find heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with a finger. So I did some looking at background research. Scholars believe that Jesus intended to be heard in all these contexts. Compared to the yoke of the Romans or the Pharisees, Jesus promised a yoke that was easy and a burden that was light. He will be a gentle and humble teacher. Caesar was not gentle. The Pharisees were not humble. And so it was important to contrast the world that they lived in with the world that Jesus invited them into. But I think most importantly, this was Jesus' invitation to all those followers to discipleship. It was just, it's another version of take up your cross and follow me. Let me say some more about what was usual in those days for a rabbi who was calling disciples. The disciple took up the rabbi's yoke and over time they learned the rabbi's teacher, teachings and practices so that they could someday be a rabbi as well. And it's very much like an apprenticeship for us or an internship. You know, today to be an electrician or a plumber or a teacher or a pastor, you have to work with a professional for a while. It's not all just book learning, it's doing. The yoke was a learning process and it was work like the yoke that coupled the oxen and the, to pull a plow in the field. Jesus invited his followers to be yoked for work in God's field. And this is the yoke that Jesus says will be easy and light. And I'm trying to read it, this passage in 21st century uh, context. And I think the words rest and easy get our attention first. Rest because life comes to all of us with burdens, or maybe the better word is responsibilities. And sometimes our responsibilities are very heavy and we just carry on exhausted. And I think we're also attracted to the word easy because we live in 
busy and complicated times with complicated technology and relationships and a zillion choices, easy for us is a selling point. Easy to prepare meals, easy to manage financial obligations. For, for my husband, Bob, and myself, an easy-to-use television remote is really important. But if we take Jesus literally, I don't think Jesus was selling his, his invitation. He was just describing what it would mean to follow him, to be a disciple, to be a Christian, not just 2,000 years ago, but now. First, he invites us to rest. I don't, and, and I know you know and I know that that doesn't mean a vacation. Instead, rest means laying down our worries, our fears, the anxieties that burden us, and giving them over to God. I know that sometimes I get kind of obsessed about a project or a problem, and I worry and I worry, and I kind of figure on it, and I'm just not getting anywhere, and I know, and maybe somebody tells me, to give it a rest. My grandmother, when, as I was growing up, I remember that she had this figure of speech she used all the time, let go and let God. She used it so often that as a teenager, I was annoyed. Let go and let God, oh my goodness. But you know, I now understand what she was talking about. Because there's things that I cannot control and I should not control. And I just need to let go and let God take care of it. Rest is also a kind of peace of mind that comes when you've done all that you, all that you know to do, all that you can do, and you're able to trust that God will do the rest. I think when Jesus promises us rest for our souls, he means that kind of peace of mind. And rest comes when we work together, when we pull together like those oxen or horses pulling a plow. We are the church. There's more than just two of us, but there's lots of us, and we can, we can share the load, and we can carry each other's burdens. And it's not that the burdens go away. It's that, that in Christ and in the church, we don't carry them alone. That's, that's what Jesus is inviting us to. And then he, then he shows us how to get there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I like the way the message translates this verse. In the message it says, Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Learning from Jesus is a lifetime undertaking, meaning no matter what age we start, begin to learn, we will always be learning from Jesus. I follow Diana Butler Bass. She's a, a church historian and a theologian, a 
follow her blog. And she, at one point, offered a summary of what we learned from Jesus. She called it three-word theologies. And I think this is a good summary of what, how we learn from Jesus. Jesus, we learn that God is love. We learn love your neighbor. Be not afraid. Love one another. Do unto others. In just three words, we learn from Jesus. Pray like this. Go, do likewise. God will provide. We learn from Jesus, love your enemies. Seven times, seventy times seven. Thy kingdom come. Any of those little three-word mantras would, would be a good daily prayer for a Christian or a mantra just to keep in your head all the time. But the whole of them is the framework for Christian discipleship. And if it's hard to live it out, and it is, it's because so much of what we learn from Jesus is just countercultural, and in that sense, counterintuitive. It's so unlike the world we live in, where, where people hardly know their neighbors, and there is just so much uh, fear and hate floating around, where it sounds absurd to love your neighbors, love your enemy, or to forgive 70 times seven. That's the cultural climate of our country, at least what the media shows us. And Jesus shows us a different way. And it promises a life shaped by grace and motivated by love. That was the central theme of those three-word theologies. God loved us first, and we respond by loving one another. And it is love that, makes, that moves us to carry another person's burden. That was the question in the, in the Facebook post that Kevin sent out about this, this sermon. You know, what is it that makes us carry another person's burden if it's not love? It's, that's, love makes parents get out of bed in the middle of the night for a crying child. It's love that, that goes to visit a friend who's been struggling. It's love that takes a meal to somebody who's just had surgery. Uh, it's love that cares about the homeless and the immigrants and the very poor. It's love that, that calls us to do a lot of things for other people and to want to. It's love that makes the burden light. I can't help but remember the title of a song from the from the 60s, I don't know the lyrics, but it was, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. When, it, when it's love, the burden is light. The scripture goes on some more. And again, I like the way the message uh, puts this. Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. See, watch how I do it. Because doing is so important. Our seekers class is studying the book of James, and we're in chapter one, and that's all it's about. It's um, faith and doing. Studying the Bible is helpful, worship is crucial, but following Jesus is not 
passive, it's active, it's doing. And then Jesus adds, and this is the way the message reads it, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And to me this means that the work that we're called to do for God is work that suits us. Not, not suits our taste or our pleasures, but suits our abilities. It's, it's, God knows our strengths. God knows what we can do. And that's what God wants us to do. And it, I think it's, it's nice because when we use the strengths that we have for God, then there's a the whole lot less frustration and a lot more reward. The work gets easier and easier because we get, we practice. It's not hard, it's, it's easy. I know you may have heard this story from several other folks in the congregation, but I want to tell again. There were 11 of us from Macedonia who uh, volunteered with the read-a-book program at Swift Creek Elementary School last school year. And I volunteered even though that 8.30 arrival time is just a little bit too early, and I, I kind of resisted that. But, you know, I, I love kids, and I know how to read, so I offered to help. You know, as the school year went by, 8.30 in the morning wasn't such a problem anymore. It became easier and easier. And I think I learned, and I think all of us learned, from, from the children and from each other how to be better reading coaches. I would overhear George encouraging his student, and he, he did it with such a light touch and a sense of humor. And I learned from Eloise how to be enthusiastic when you greet every child coming into the classroom. And at the end of the year, the kids were so much better readers, and I fell in love with them. And I cannot wait to do this again next school year. And I would encourage you to think the same thing, possibly. <clears throat> I hope you remember, and many of you probably will, the movie Chariots of Fire. It was released in 1981, so some of you weren't even born. But you would recognize the music, I'm pretty sure. The main characters were two runners who qualified for the Olympics, the 1924 Olympics. They qualified for Great Britain. Harold Abrams was Jewish, and his struggle was to overcome anti-Semitism and class bias in order just to make the Olympic team. The other character was Eric Little, a devout Christian born to Scottish missionary parents in China place where he was called, he felt called to go back to China as a missionary. And his family and his friends were pressuring him to just go right back, go right now, don't do the Olympics. There is a scene in the movie that I, I want to replay for us because I think it's relevant, where Eric is talking to his sister about why he wants to run. He says, Jenny, I believe God made me for a purpose for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Maybe that's what we volunteer readers felt 
back in May when we celebrated with those, those, those children, those first and second graders, all their achievements during the year, we felt God's pleasure. It was, it was more than just the accomplishment, and it was more than just our love. I think God was there with us. And I think at the end of VBS, Vacation Bible School starts next week. At the end of that, or at the end of a fellowship meal, or when we open the Connection Hub, whenever that is, and however it looks, but right now it looks like it might be to serve the mental health needs in the community. I, I believe and I hope and I pray that we will also feel God's pleasure. These are big jobs. They, they are, in some sense, hard work. But in another sense, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And not only that, at the end, there is that joy. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, you know the burdens we carry, our many responsibilities, you know our fears and hopes. You know what a crazy mixed up world we live in and how many choices and temptations come at us every day and how hard it is for us to let go and trust your care for us. But you are there for us, dear God, and we are grateful. <clears throat> God, you also know how broken our world is. You know the injustice and struggle, the fear and sorrows of so many others, and you care for them as well. Help us remember how much you love this world and then give us courage and love to answer Jesus' call, to take up his yoke, to learn from him, to walk with him, and work with him, and to be your church. Bless us to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community here and for our suffering world. And help us to discover, each of us for ourselves, that Jesus' yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Always with faith and hope and the power of your love, we pray. Amen.